0: This is what I get for having not done this in a while. A very lengthy um, first lesson. Anyway, no, I like it. Um, It's James uh, chapter 3, starting with verse 13, all the way through chapter 4, verse 10. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts... Do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits. Without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and could not obtain it, so you engage in disputes. And conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. In order to spend what you get on your pleasures, adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is for nothing that the scripture says, God yearns jealousy for the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. But he gives us all the more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God And he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into dejection. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you.
1: Gospel lesson, Gospel according to Mark, chapter 9. We're going to just take seven verses unlike the passage that I made Kelly read. Mark 9:30 30 through 37. They went on there and passed through Galilee. And Jesus didn't want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying, and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about along the way? But they were silent, for they had been arguing with one another who was the greatest. He sat down and called the twelve and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all then he took a little child and putting it among them and taking it in his arms he said to them whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me but the one who has sent me the gospel of the lord let us pray While the er- words strike our ears, O Lord, we ask that Your Spirit bring clarity to our hearts. For you, you have the words of eternal life, and by them we can be changed. To Christ's glory. Amen. I want to read to you again the intro of the passage from the book of James that Kelly read to us. James writes, is wise and understanding among you. Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come from, down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. Let's hear that again. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. Third time. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. Now, read it three times for a reason. Um, partially, the sermon's kind of short, so I figure it's a good way to kill time. But more importantly, when I come across a piece of Scripture that really zings, I mean it's a sharp rebuke in unvarnished ways, on the first read, I think I know who it's about. It's about those with whom I disagree, correct? Clearly it's about those other people who are needlessly devilish. Then I pause, let the text linger in my heart for a moment, and I begin to see that the full weight of rebuke may not be only for those other wrong-headed, pig-thinking, conspiracy-laden nincompoops. It also applies to those who agree with me, but are kind of jerks. Right? I feel I'm right on the point, but they lack the gentleness born of wisdom. So they should be reined in a bit, perhaps controlled into kinder rhetoric. As a matter of strategy, you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar, right? And then, sometimes only after a long, long time, I read it a third time, and I find out that perhaps the author of Scripture is speaking to me. There is such a thing as being correct with your facts, but off base with the use of those facts. Just a quick lingering over the word devilish. Devilish. I love that word. Who likes deviled eggs? Come on fans of Jan Shimmerhorn. Here we go. Yeah. Do you remember deviled ham? Under word deviled ham, it came in those little cans. You had to be really, really hungry to think that was delicious. The term deviled here in Scripture and in the kitchen, has the same root, the same core meaning. To devil something means to chop it, to divide it into little tiny bits, minced pieces. That's what deviling does. It takes something that is a unified whole, and by repeated slices, it divides it up. A devil in our midst is someone who takes the unified body of Christ and by repeated slices of disdain and disgust, it chops it into an unstructured mess. Now using that image, I would suggest that our society, our culture, even parts of the Christian church are under attack by demons. Little slicers and dicers of evil insight taking what is designed to be a unified whole with integral parts and chopping away at it until it has no integrity and no sustainable mass. The dangerous problem with the demonic is that the tool, the knife, the cutting edge, if you will, in reality does have some basis in fact. As many of you know, I spent this past week at a conference uh, for Presbyterian clergy Uh, we were not able to gather in person because of the pandemic and so as a group of Presbyterian clergy I missed the opportunity to be all in one big hotel riding our little motorcycles during the breaks with our funny hats while somebody from the 17th floor throws water balloons at us we didn't get to do that this time oh well oh no wait that wasn't Presbyterian ministers anyway the conference is called credo credo from the Latin word meaning I believe Our creed, the Apostles' Creed, the first word, if we were to say it in Latin, is credo. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and honor, I believe, credo, credo, credo. The conference was offered to Presbyterian ministers, and it is on an invitation-only rotating basis. There are three tracks for these conferences, an early career track, a mid-career track, and a late-in-career track. This was my late-in-career credo experience. I'm not sure how I feel about that. (laughs) Um, But as we gathered and as we spoke with one another via the wonders of Zoom, the Presbyterian Board of Pensions had agreed to pay for our lodging wherever we chose to stay. They wanted us to get away from home, but we didn't all show up at the same hotel. We could kind of go wherever they wanted and up to a limited price, they would cover the cost of lodging. And so, for my lodging, I decided to go to Loveland, Colorado. Coincidentally, while I was there, I happened to run into the Stapletons. (laughs) What are the odds? Anyway, during the conference, we would break into small groups of three for discussion and for mutual support. And two of my partners in breakouts were ministers uh, from the South. One was from suburban Dallas, and the other one was from Central Florida think about it suburban Dallas and Central Florida few connections could have made me more grateful to be your pastor in enlightened LaGrange Illinois. These two colleagues serving in contentious states of Texas and Florida were facing relentless deviling from all sides as anti-maskers and anti-vaxxers and big-like conspiracists from both inside and outside of their congregations were busy slicing and dicing at one another into exhausted little pieces. Their frustration, these beleaguered colleagues of mine, was how the cutting edge of the chopping knives of destru- destruction usually contained some element of factual truth. I mean, the manipulative power of big pharma. I mean let's admit it they pull a lot of strings or the need for children to be socialized by seeing full facial uh, uh, expressions there's 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 credibility to that or a history of just government overreach and on and on and on there was a blade of truth in those who were opposing Were the counter-arguments to focus on the merits of specific argument, there was little hope for civil conversation. As I talked with my pastor colleagues, I developed a sense of pity for them as they were in the belly of the beast fighting the good fight against these boneheaded, obnoxious twits. There was one point I wished that they just could have the courage to go punch these destructive knuckleheads in the face well there's a solution punch a Nazi in the face for Jesus (laughs) you see what James is telling us is in his epistle the point of the discussion is not sorting out those who are right and those who are wrong the point of discussion is to build up rather than hack down Jesus asked His disciples in our Gospel lesson this morning, what were you saying when you were walking down the road earlier today? Mark says that they all got really, really silent and kind of looked at their shoes because they were discussing who among them was the greatest. James, who would have been there, points out years later in his letter, the discussion of superiority is a non-starter for any sense of strength or unity. What did he write? He wrote, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, resist the tempter to divide and tear down, to be right at all costs, and he, the divider, will flee from you. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. So here's the problem. Now let me crack that here's my problem I know I'm right and I also know with equal certainty that you're an idiot and given both of these realities it becomes incumbent upon me to dominate your stupidity with my superior insight some of you know my problem because you've been on the receiving end of my demonic bombast as I have mansplained you into pointless submission some of you have walked away from these encounters saying wow our pastor is really insightful our pastor is amazingly well informed and others have walked away and said "Wow, you know our pastor is kind of a jerk but the unfortunate outcome positive or negative in your attitude towards me is the line that is drawn between us the devil is working his dark magic of dividing us from one another and i must confess that i have given place and priority to that same devil i love how sometimes the holy spirit works over time over time sometimes god reveals something to me about myself that i ingest and i find helpful in one context and then much later on, that same spirit reveals to me something more that reaches back into what I'd previously learned, and all of a sudden I understand that with even greater depth, an explosion of even deeper meaning. In another Zoom class a few months ago, one of the participants shared the acronym WAIT W A I T, WAIT. It's a little mnemonic device that stands for the words, Why am I talking? Why am I talking? When I worked as a pastoral counselor at the Counseling Center, I used to talk with couples and often suggest that they stop saying the first thing that pops into their heads. Don't say the first thing that pops into your head because it's most likely to be selfish and unproductive. Try saying the second thing that comes into your head when you've had a chance to run it through a filter that might actually be helpful to your partner and to your relationship. Why am I talking? Is what I'm saying helpful to building the strength and integrity and wholeness of our relationship? Or is it some self-serving intended to elevate me and denigrate the one to whom I am speaking? Why am I talking? I'll tell you that the simple question is now saving me a whole bunch of words. Try it next time when you're responding to a meme on Facebook or Instagram. Ask yourself, why am I talking? I raise that question and I end up using the backspace key a lot more than I used to. (laughs) As I finally just completely wipe out what I'd planned to say and give a simple thumbs up why am I talking an invitation to wait it's the beginning to shift my late in career pastor self it invites me to pause to discern is this wisdom Not is it information, but is it wisdom? This little tidbit of insight that I want to contribute. This factoid of connection about the quality of our relationship or my self-serving domination intending to dice somebody up. James writes, For wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. Here's the outcome of that. James 3.18 A harvest of righteousness sown in peace for those who make peace. Well, that's clearly about those other jerks, right? For wisdom is... From above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. Well, I know who that's for. That's people with whom I disagree, or with I do agree, but their tactics are over the top. For wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable gentle willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy maybe it's about me maybe I should wait. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Thanks be to God. Amen.